I hate you so much. I'm gonna like put my legs up on this table and God. like pour myself more wine. Careful. Fuck you. It'd be on the floor and I just I don't care. You would lap it up like a dog. I wouldn't because this floor is like Dirty not hell. clean at all. So thank you, but no thank you. Now record your stupid introduction. Stop moving so I can do it. Okay, hang on. Alright. I'm ready. Welcome to episode 6 of Stuck in the Middle with You, a podcast where two guys take a look at a critically divisive film and see on what side of the consensus they fall on. My name is Derek Gade. My partner in crime's name is Juan Barkeen. Say hi, Juan. Hi. And this was your pick this week. This was your movie that we watched. You want to introduce this one? It absolutely was my pick, and I will gladly introduce that film, this film, because I love the lead actress in it with all of my my tiny, tiny heart. It's curious that you say that you like the lead actress, but not the movie. Fuck you. Um, mm. Mm, you smarmy <laughs> piece of shit. Um, What's this movie called, man? It is called Jolene, which is not just a Dolly Parton song. It is a 2008 film directed by Dan Ireland. That's right, Mr. Dan Ireland, for a certain subsection of the cinephile world, particularly those on the American West Coast, that name might ring a bell because Mr. Ireland is the co-founder of the Seattle International Film Festival. Yep, which is actually coincidentally... The same place where Jessica Chastain won Best Actress for this film, <laughs> which is, like, really iffy. <laughs> that is um, really strange. Yeah. Yeah, it just streams conflict of interest. But as, regarding the quality of the film, that's really neither here nor there. It isn't, but, I mean, her performance is certainly one of the best. <sighs> Man, I think and we're going to – like, I agree that Jessica Chastain's performance in this is – the best thing about this movie but i also think it's probably one of the only good things about this movie i get the feeling we're going to diverge on this one shocking so right let's take a moment what the fuck is this movie about what is this movie about this movie is about a teenage orphan who spends 10 years traveling cross-country experiencing life love and heartbreak and is based on el doctorow's story jolene a life which is loosely based on the song Jolene by Darley Parton. Yep. Here's the thing. This is right off the bat. Uh, Jolene in this story starts off, she's 15, so she ages to 25-ish. Yes. The 20s. And like, in all Jessica fairness. Chastain is 31 in this movie. I know. She does she, not pass for a teenager. She doesn't pass for 15. I think she can, like, 17 up. I think it's okay. I think at the end, like the last act of the film, she looks about the age she's supposed to. But before that, it is just really, really creepy trying to convince me that this... That that she's 15. That this teenager who is frequently very naked and very sexually assaulted (laughs) is a minor. (laughs) I know. And that's... uh, All right. And a lot of this film is like really uncomfortable to watch. Yeah, I think. Let's walk through the plot. Okay, well, let's. Should we walk through each and every stage of well, like? Let's not, because it's basically the same stages that repeat over and over again. Okay, so basically every stage is Jolene finds some semblance of happiness, or like not even happiness necessarily, because some of them yes, happiness. Some of them I would them say don't. stability. 
Yes. Or no, not even stability. stability. Not even stability. I would say it's not love. It's not stability. It's more like a fleeting human connection that gets like way blown out of proportion by the other person. Fair. Yes. I agree. Let's do that. <laughs> so that happens, and then it all goes to shit. This movie is about two hours long. This arc repeats itself about six times. Yes, six times. No exactly. variation. I mean, like, it happens differently each time. It, the way it comes about. Yeah, but in that it's different people and she's a different age each time, but it's the same basic arc. And they she take falls, different actions. She well. falls madly in love. No, th- here's the thing. I think one of my things with this movie is that Jessica Chastain doesn't really do anything so much as half shit happened to her. Mm-hmm. Like at the beginning, I mean, she she gets married to this uh, to this dude, and it kind of feels like a shotgun wedding. This feels like something that was, I mean, it's not. I mean, in the plot, but it kind of feels that way. But the fact that she's fifteen, she doesn't look fifteen, and marrying I mean, a dude who's twenty is already really creepy, and that sets the tone, I guess, for the rest of the film. I mean, in a lot of places in America, you kind of get this, you have these kind of relationships pop up all the time. And their relationship isn't necessarily supposed to be one of the uncomfortable ones, in my opinion, even though it's like 20 and 15, which like, yes, is weird to us. But at the same time, I mean, her like first inner monologue, which there is a lot of just narration from Jessica Chastain throughout the film. Which works more or less well, I guess. It does. It might as well read like a transcript of the short story the film's based on. Mm-hmm. Like, so yeah, my point is that she's a very passive character in this film. And I think I, I was actually uh, DMing you on Twitter during the movie. And I think one of the things I asked you was, does everyone in this movie want to fuck Jessica Chastain illegally? And like, more and or less, do. yes. do. More or less, they do because that's more like that's honestly everyone wants like, to fuck a minor, everyone wants to rape her, everyone wants to sexually assault her. Above the age, then everyone just wants to, to like kick the shit out of her. No, that's not true. Only one of them wants to kick the shit. Whatever. Anyway, that's a pretty massive ass kicking though. Anyway, I don't always. 100% see her as a passive character. I mean, like, yes, she's presented as a character that's, like, ve- like very much so taken advantage by practically everyone around her because of multiple factors, most notably her naivety and she her beauty. She's way naive. Like, she's absolutely, like, like, incredibly naive. Like, to the point where it's like, all right, I get it, movie. Innocence is lost. I get it. I get the innocence the is, gist. like, never lost on her. No, no, her innocence is lost over and over again. She is naive to the point of, I don't want to say annoyance, but come on. I mean, this movie... But I feel like, uh, I feel like there's a certain self-awareness to her character, like, underneath that naivety that shows at times in her narration. Then when you get to the end of... I mean, it's clear her narration is, like, her looking back at her life, but, like... Brother, this movie's a lot of things, but self-aware is not one of them. This is, this is kind of a smug movie. Like, it's I, not smug. It's it's smug in that this is to me it, what reads. It's like a Danielle Steele novel. It's like you've got homewreckers, you've got like statutory rape, sexual assault, uh, women's shelters, uh, fucking psych wards. It's a Danielle Steele novel. It's a lurid thriller, and I don't believe I'm going. I can't believe I'm going to say this, but Lee Daniels, man, where were you when this script was being optioned? 
Yeah, I'm not even going to lie. This would probably be better in the hands of someone like Lee Daniels. This, where the this... material. But at the same time, like I feel like this movie doesn't exactly fall into like any kind of exploitative territory. Whereas I feel like Lee Daniels would have taken it I to think, that point. I think it probably would have been a sleazier movie, and I think it would have yes. been. But I think it would have been a better movie because I don't the, agree. The fact that it kind of here's here's my thing with this movie. It is a lurid, like, Michael Crichton sex thriller that has the pretensions of, like, a classy American indie drama. And the fact that it still has kind of the rhythms of a kind of lurid Danielle Steele piece of work, there's a lot of nudity in this film. There's a lot of, like, sex and sexual violence. There's a lot of unpleasantness in this film. Here, when it's middle brow, where it's the most offensive to me, because... When it's completely underplayed, it's political. When it's completely overplayed, it is formal or or it's like satire or it's commentary. It's something. But when it stays like in the middle of the road and it looks tasteful and it's like tastefully lit and it at that point it becomes more offensive to me because they're trying to pass it off. As... But I don't feel like the scenes that were meant to be uncomfortable were that tastefully presented. I feel like the like – I think the look of the film is more responsible for that because I don't think Well, the it's, look of the film in general is just like it stays at a, like a very like, I don't I don't think it's a coincidence that the guy who co-founded a major American, American city, film city film festival made this movie because this looks like it was made from a kit. Yeah. It has you, it you, looks yeah. it looks tasteful, but it has no personality. It, it doesn't has, have doesn't have a trace. There are some movies that are director movies. Like De Palma makes director movies, Kubrick makes director movies, and there are writer movies. Like when Paddy Shayevsky writes a movie, that's a writer movie. Or when uh, Robert Town, for better or worse, writes a movie, it's a writer movie. Or the Coens, even though the Coens have a pretty sharp visual sense too. Mm -hmm. This is an actor movie. It is. It's absolutely an actor movie. This is Jessica Chastain's show, but she's the only one doing anything, and what she has. The material she has to deal with is super thin and lunk-headed. And the only other person I really liked in this movie is uh, Chaz Palminteri. Yeah, he really is. He's great by default. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, the dude from Homeland was kind of appropriately skeezy, I think. But, no, I, I, this movie did not do it for me, man. And that's fine, but it did it for me. And I feel like... Do you like lurid Lifetime movie Daniel Steele thrillers? I mean, I feel like we've like we've clearly established the fact that I do right. <laughs> enjoy that kind of stuff. And I mean, like, I don't know, you like you seem to be very, very like hell bent on the middle brow nature of like the because presentation. But I don't mind it. I don't it, I, f- I don't I feel it's... like this needs to be like if this was more drenched in melodrama, like say something with. like no, I if like. If this was like either say like Verhoeven or like oh I'd be way like on Daniels board. I'd be way on board. I think it would be just so like weird on a tonal level. I this but movie it's already super it, weird on a tonal level. It's like I I actually tweeted at you as I was as I was being yes uh, because you were tweeting the whole movie and playing fucking Animal Crossing and the last act I'll which I'm throwing I'll out there because I'm you call, suck. I'll confess this movie bored me to the point where I like fired up the old DS. And like, uh, gonna pull some weeds and say hello to my villagers because this movie is not doing it for me. But anyway, what I'm trying to you're say just trying to, is you're just trying to you're just trying to you're just trying to besmirch me. 
No, I just don't think it needs to be like camp. That's the thing. I know like, it doesn't that's... have to be camp, but it does ha- it does help to have some kind of tonal consistency, which this movie does not have at I all. I don't think it because I, 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 it go, like my it point has... is I, my point is I tweeted at you earlier when when I started the movie. This isn't supposed to be funny, right? Because I thought this was like pitched to eleven to a point where it's like there's no way this movie is going to sustain this, and it doesn't, and it's the worst for it. But it's not supposed to be funny outside of like few scenes that are purposely inserted for comedic timing. Like the movie is not subtle in any way, shape, or form whatsoever. And yeah, sometimes that's used to comedic effect. <sighs> Fucking, I, I still remember the first time I saw this when they use Shake Your Booty for her. <sighs> just Okay, so one of the first scenes when uh, Dermot Mulroney takes advantage of Jessica <sighs> Chastain. She she is a 15 year old girl. She's cleaning the floor and she's shaking her butt to shake your booty. And she's not just shaking cuts. her butt. She is. I mean, gyrating. like, listen, that is not true because I have like fully danced like that while I'm cleaning before. Well, <laughs> but anyway, this leads to whatever. <laughs> this leads to a really creepy statutory rape where uh, Dermot Mulroney says, "Happy birthday, pumpkin," and it's ugh. And it's uncomfortable, and so much of this film is uncomfortable, but it's like... It's so middle, it, it's so middle brow. It's not like... It doesn't embrace the fact that it's uncomfortable. It kind of tiptoes around the fact that it's uncomfortable. I don't think it tiptoes around the fact. I think it makes it very, very explicit. I don't think this movie has like, the courage of its convictions. uncomfortable. I don't think this movie has the courage of its convictions until Jessica Chastain gets the shit kicked out of her in the third act. And even there, it's a stretch. I don't like, but she gets the shit kicked out of her in the third act by a Jesus freak. Ooh, fucking subtle ass commentary there, movie. Thanks a lot, El Doctoro. I'm like, I'm so bitter because you keep on expecting the film to either be subtle or completely and utterly like Lee Daniels melodramatic, and like it's not subtle. Am but I it at doesn't fault? Have to be Am that I... kind of film. I d- like. I don't... Subtlety doesn't have to be fucking campy as shit. You like there are more than enough filmmakers out there who make films that are like just fucking. <laughs> this I don't, is whatever. It's, I don't know. I think this movie is a lame drama that thinks it's about capital I important capital I issues, and it's just. I don't think it has the pretense of really, being. I think it has the pretense of being issues. an important film. I, I don't th- agree. I think there. it does. I don't agree. I don't think it has any interest in like presenting itself as all important. I don't know. And another thing about this movie is uh, the the simple. The, you know, the, this kind of in line with the way on the nose song choices <laughs> is uh, just sort of the portentous symbolism. I mean, at one point, Jessica Chastain fucks a dude in a bed full of a tr- in the bed of a truck, and that bed is full of carrots. She's literally fucking in a box full of phalluses. Yeah, I get it, movie. I get it. I get it. Moving on. And it doesn't move on. It recycles the same 20-minute arc six times. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's what I think. Mm-hmm. That's great. I'm so glad you think that. Anyway, one of the scenes that I personally really like is when uh, it's the second arc of this happening. And uh, she's in this institution for troubled young women. And... um. She's essentially being taken advantage of, but also simultaneously taking advantage of, to a certain extent, the 
the woman who is I don't think she oh Jesus this character there's a character here See like no see but that's the thing like you you are essentially completely dismissing the notion that she has like any idea what she's doing I think that Jessica Chastain in this movie doesn't have as much agency as the movie thinks she does. I don't think she has as much agency as the movie thinks she does either. But I do think there are tells that show that she's not as naive as like I'm fully, fully like on board with the fact that she is like being taken advantage of by every single person who she interacts with when she is a minor, especially. I think about the time we reach the fourth act of yes fourth act of this i think she's already far more mature than you're giving her credit for but i do think in the first three there's or at least the first two most specifically i don't think there's a ton of character growth man i mean i think there is character growth i mean there's uh, she starts the movie as sort of a naive bumpkin and ends a movie as a naive bumpkin that has had that has been through the shit but doesn't seem to have gotten anything from it I think she other has than grown. other than emotional scars. Emo- no, I feel like she has grown as a character throughout. But that anyway, whole, but that whole mon- I feel like that whole monologue about about her kid is just like nailing that naivete home. And I I know that there's like a through line in this film about how the societal system is rigged basically against sexually active women. That's basically what the movie's about. And it's yes. And it does so in such not a... Not just sexually active no, women, no, no. I mean, like it's women who were sexually like taken advantage of and yeah, the gamed, way it influences against, their sexuality. Gamed against victims, gamed, gamed against yes. any anything, but done in such a blowhard, knuckle-dragging, uninteresting fashion that it almost negates its message. It doesn't, like I said, this movie doesn't have the courage of its of its convictions, I feel. I think this movie is middle-brow in the sense that, oh, yes, these are the problems, and that's all I have to say about it. Isn't that terrible? Isn't it terrible that this happens? It's It, it just, I don't know, it feels disingenuous. This movie kind of feels disingenuous to me. I, eh, I don't entirely agree. But anyway, what I was trying to say was during the scene where she's like one of the scenes where she's being taken advantage of by this woman in right, right. The, uh, the institution. You, you've been complaining about like the repetition of the narrative, but I feel like the film drills in that point very early on that her life will essentially be a repetition of these things. There's a, uh, she's about to have a sexual interaction with this woman. And Julian is essentially saying like, it wasn't too bad being loved by a woman. Once you get going, it doesn't matter who it is and what they've got. All you have to do is close your eyes. Like that line that sense loses me at the end. <laughs> but that's the thing that like the end of that sentence is exactly what her life has become. Closing your eyes and taking exit. it. And like, and if that I doesn't know, indicate like, really like, fucking, passivity, like, if that doesn't indicate like I'm gonna throw my arms up in the but air, you say like come with me. Like a passive character is a bad thing. I just in this context. For this, this specific, context, like, for this specific thing, story, for this story that's being told, which is basically a woman being fucked by life, and yes. that she's sort yeah, of passive in that. that. Yes. It, uh, but like that, I don't know. It's it's a movie about victims, about but a I victim. Fairly, like, but the thing is, she tried to get out of that situation time and time again, and life backfired. And like that is totally on the writers. Like the writers have fully made a script where it could just go like. Scene after scene after scene of I think it was just so carelessly mishandled. 
I it don't. is. It is a series of scenes where bad shit it happens. It is a series of bad shit happening, but like – it's exactly think what it is. It's like Grant. It's like Grand Guignol victim porn. This is what it is. This is what this movie is. It's one really good performance in two hours of Grand Guignol victim porn. Mm-hmm. One of the things I found out about the movie was that uh, the Women's Film Critics Circle nominated it for one of their ten films in the Hall of Shame for that year. Alongside, okay. uh, I, I, I'm getting somewhere. Alongside films like uh, Black Swan, Inception, I Am Love, Kick Ass, and a couple of others, their reasoning was being that like it's like a very misogynistic film, and I feel like there's certainly like a question to be answered about vulnerability in female characters and whether or not them being placed in said vulnerable situations makes the script or the film itself inherently misogynistic or like I, think- I don't like. I think that is more dictated by tone. It's not really dictated by what's on the page. It's dictated by performance and tone. The performance is there. It is there. The tone is not. This movie is so poor at handling the material that it has. Let me walk you through the climactic scene where Jessica Chastain is married to this very violent, very very Jesus freak fellow. He essentially finds out that she has like like, more about her past, essentially. Like, his father gives him, like, a fucking envelope and shit. Like a file. <laughs> yeah, like a file. Like a permanent they record, did basically. Because his family always hated her because she was, like, this mysterious woman who just, like, popped into their lives. And he was, she wasn't a woman of class, essentially. Right, right. So he gets this file. He, fi- he flips through it. He storms in the painting room. He calls her a whore. And, like, takes a canvas that's on the Essel, throws it at her, decks her once, she falls to the ground, and now he's, like, straddling her, he's over her, deck, double deck, Jess Chastain is doing some capital A acting, she's getting slugged in the face, and he he gets up, grabs some of the the face, the throat, I want to emphasize that, because there's literally a line about it later on. Yeah, her voice is fucked afterwards. Yes. And... He gets up. Okay, so he's choking her. Dexter, Dexter gets up. She's on the floor bleeding and reeling. He gets like tubes of paint and squirts paint on her. And I'm like, God damn it. That's incredibly gratuitous. I give you that. That is entirely gratuitous, man. A grand guignol parade of shit happening to Jessica Chastain. <sighs> um, I can kind of see where the women's critic circle was coming from. I can, to a certain extent. The only way Jessica Chastain fights back is by running away. (laughs) I guess. But the thing is, how could she deal with that? Well, I think that's the sort of strongest part of the movie where you see the powerlessness of victims, the powerlessness of uh, how fucking useless the system is sometimes to certain people, uh, in this specific case, women. I think that part, as she leaves the house and before the final sequence with the child, that's where the movie is strongest. That's where the helplessness clicks. That's where it works for me, but it's like 15 minutes in a two-hour movie. I don't know. I feel like had we not had the build-up to that point, it wouldn't have had that kind of impact whatsoever. I don't know. I think it's just, uh, man, this movie is so weird (laughs) and not in a good way. Whatever. There are a lot of – I know you don't care much for the visuals, but there were a lot of little like visual tics, as unsubtle as they were, that I really, really enjoyed. One of my favorites, which I'll like preempt before the the stripping scene, there's this one shot of her where she's sitting on the bus leaving her third uh, partner's town. She has this one teardrop falling while she's speaking about her like 
never having met her family and just like this deep sad shit and outside immediately outside the window in the background you have these two parents hugging their child and their child like goes off to like presumably get on the like the bus as well and Uh, like the parents leave on the other side and it's just like an empty frame in the background now at like as she cries and like i know you don't care for that scene but like i don't like i don't know it's like it's sad and it's fucking impacting to me and I am just on a very different wavelength with this film than you are. Immediately after that, she is in Vegas now and just as unsubtle, completely, completely unsubtle. And it ties into what Derek was saying about the music cues. Nina Simone's Solitaire comes on, which is like, I get it because she's song. alone. Uh huh. She's, yes. she's, she can't count on no one because she's fucking alone. Get it? Yes. And there is, like, in my opinion, one of, like, the most, like, tastefully shot scenes of stripping I've ever probably seen in a movie. And I loved it. I love that scene so much. I think it's so gorgeously shot. That was, like, the saddest scene I've ever seen. It's so depressing. Get, but get, it's so I no beautiful. From, I get no joy from it. It's, and it's, like I, said I don't before, get joy it's, from it. It's I just sh- think it's I don't so even, I don't even get. I don't even get, like, cinephilic joy from it. I don't get, like, oh, I do get nice. cinephilic joy from it. I thought it was gorgeous. I thought it was gorgeous. I think the contrast of Nina Simone's solitaire to, like, this tragic figure... What's there to contrast like, is a fucking punctuation. It's three exclamation points, like at the end of the word stripping or sadness. I hate you so much. <laughs> sadness in capital letters with like five exclamation points at the end of it. That's what this movie is. It is, and I don't mind that. I, I, I like. I feel it, like it's unearned. I feel like it's. Ill I don't conceived. feel like it's unearned. I feel That's like it's really just. Different. I don't know. This is like a couple of Hulk fists dragging on the ground to me. And then those points, like, I feel like all that tragedy makes all those points where Jolene is at her highest so goddamn satisfying. And, like, everything she had, like, that happens to her in Vegas when she's at, like, the peak of her joy. Uh, she's with, um. Oh, mobs- Sal. Who gets when fucking she- killed execution style because. He's a mobster. Because it's fucking Chas Parliamentary and he's going to get shot because he's a mobster because the casting director was fucking creative as hell. Of course. Um, but, like, she's with him, and she's very clearly at, like, the peak of her joy. And this is one of the, like, the very few moments where she, like, she even says, I would tell him I loved him, and at the moment I said it, I did. And, like, all of these other times she's been with someone, she's been so genuinely hesitant to actually feel something for them. Because with her first husband, she, like, the first thing she says about him, or, like, one of the first things he says about him is, like, he had no ambition and she very clearly has like little to no interest in him and she married him out of convenience. Then with uh, Dermot Moroni, he was like he was taking advantage of her with a corrections officer. She was taking advantage of her with Coco. It was something like strange and exciting. Those relationships happen. Those like weird like, oh, my God, look, they're so interesting and different and like they kind of vibe with me and like. Then you move on and you find something vaguely stable where you think like, hey, yeah, this might actually work out for once in fucking life. And it doesn't. It doesn't. Invariably, it does not. And then the piece of shit happens. (laughs) And also, I really like the way I know you don't care for for how uh, Benton, which is the last man that she's with. Kick double punch paint guy there. Yes, is is like presented but i think they do a really like interesting job building him up 
as this his actions don't come out of nowhere from the very moment you meet him he's very he's very typical of like this man who is incredibly insistent on on having things his way and like even the, the women around him immediately absolutely and even the women around him like they they drop these little lines like oh, oh you want to say no to him nobody says no to a benton around here that's fucking real and i know that it sounds like convoluted as shit to have like every single one of these situations happened to the same exact woman. Yeah, I didn't think of that, but yeah, that's true. <laughs> yes, I figured that's part of what you were going for. But I do I think, think I felt these are all... Subconsciously. Yeah, these are all very much situations. And I feel like maybe if this had been like... Oh, I'm not saying they're like not situations that Six different that acts, or like five, five or six different acts that happened to like, let's just say like a different woman each time. I don't think I feel like much of a difference because if I feel like it would have made a difference to you. If the, if the tone would have been the same, it would have made no difference. That would have been six different actresses. It's really, it's mostly a a tone thing. It's because it's a bland movie that wants to be like extravagant and doesn't. Mm -hmm. And, but and in trying for that extravagance ends up feeling just kind of tasteless. Like, I don't want to see 15-year-old Jessica Chastain titties. Nobody does, but... This movie sexualizes Jessica Chastain's character in a really weird way. Not in the way that you'd expect a movie like this to sexualize her, but kind of but like... It's ex- like the camera sexualizes it's... her that much, unless it's presented specifically through the male's perspective. Like in that first scene when you literally cut back and forth between Dermot Mulroney's character and Jessica Chastain's character. Right, right. That that kind of left a sour taste in my mouth. I guess. That's fair. It's this really weird mix of like explicitness and coyness that kind of drives me up the fucking wall in terms of tone. Like it wants its it wants its cake and wants to eat it too in terms of like luridness and sensationalism and dirty sex and uh, sexual assault and violence and but plays really really close to the chest like really really coy about it like it wants to be more hardcore about it but it can't or doesn't want to it feels like a it doesn't even feel like a big swing it feels like a like a missed bunt it feels like someone was going for a bunt and missed i disagree well i guess that's the theme of this episode yes it is yeah, I think it's a quintessential role in Jessica Chastain's career, and I think it shows off her skill as an actress very, very well in the best of ways, honestly. And um, I don't know if this film will ever end up being remembered in the long run, not it, only because it's like it came out before her career launched. It was her second movie, I think. Yeah, like one of my favorite things is the credits literally like say, introducing Jessica Chastain. And, that was like, only a few years ago, right? I mean... It was in 2008, dude. Seven years ago. It's a few years ago. It's, it's a while. Um, it's a while. Okay, whatever. But, uh, but I mean, uh, I don't know. Like, I feel like I know you don't like I, f- I know you think the everything's like totally offbeat or whatever. But like, I, I feel like she manages to make every single ounce of that performance with the exception of like one scene where she's like essentially like tearing apart a tattoo shop which like i i felt was the only part where i didn't totally believe her performance yeah she looked like a child throwing a fucking tantrum (laughs) which like is essentially more or less what she was but i don't know it didn't feel as real that's but that's part of the thing she's like what 17 in that scene she's supposed to be 17 i know but anyway fucked up man i feel like she manages to make almost every single ounce of that performance feel as though it could realistically come from one woman 
uh, MVP Jessica Chastain. You did what you could. Man, you're a great actress. Uh, it's a thankless role for anyone. Whatever. I think it was a fine role for her. And I think it certainly helped prepare her for later parts of her career, especially in the motherhood aspect of her character. But I'll get to that later. So um, anyway, now that we got one last, this... I, got, I got one last thing to say. This movie has the same kind of ring and pants boner joke as Sex in the City. So fresh or rotten one on Jolene. I personally stand by my fresh. I like it. I think it's a good movie. It's not a great movie. I think it has a great performance, but I I don't know. I it's uncomfortable. It's I don't know. I I it gets to me. I may or may not have teared up at the end of the film. For real? Because I am yeah. This this shit oh, gets man. to me. I'm the kind of person who's more than comfortable like wow. if I have if I you know I'm like very tempted to read like a Daniel Steele novel. Had you this asshole. moment in my life. <laughs> the thing Just, I wanted... <laughs> like, in great part to spite you. In great part because I actually feel like I would probably enjoy it. Oh, probably. What about you, Derek? This movie is tonally off, philosophically weird, ideologically messed up. There's lots of sexual violence in this that isn't... That feels kind of gratuitous. It's it it has middle brow sexual violence if you can imagine such a fucking thing. Its music cues are thuddingly obvious. Its look is completely anonymous. There's one pretty good performance in it, and there's one solid, dependable actor in this film as well. That's Chaz Palminteri. Whatever, move on. I am going to give this movie a rotten. Congratulations. A rotten score. You sound so delighted about it. One is over three with me picking movies. Like every movie he suggested I've given rotten ratings to. <laughs> uh-huh. Wow, congratulations. It's Eric. Just, You're one of- out of two for this one, so fuck you. We pick these movies differently. Uh-huh. We do. So, do you have a recommendation, man? Or wait a minute, it's my turn to go first, right? Yeah, go ahead. So my recommendation this week is another movie, a much better movie, that also stars Jessica Chastain. It is also an actor movie, but the actor taking advantage of the material is not Jessica Chastain, but one Michael Shannon. He should have been nominated for an Academy Award for this role. The movie in question is 2011's Take Shelter, directed by Jeff Nichols. It's about a man who has mental illness, who has apocalyptic visions, and wants to keep his family safe, but what he doesn't know is that he also has to keep them safe from himself. It sounds That's kind a of, terrible description, and I hate you <laughs> so much. It's a really um, great it's a really great movie. Michael Shannon gives a hell of a performance in it as a guy tormented by visions and mental illness. Uh, he builds like a shelter, the shelter of the title. It's a it's a really good psychological thriller with an amazing Michael Shannon performance. I also stand by Jessica Jastine's performance in that no, movie. Really I think it's a really, too. really fantastic smaller role for her. No, she's really good in that movie, but this movie belongs to Michael Shannon. Oh, it does. It does. What do you got? A movie that uh, belongs to her more so. Well, no, no, that's not true. This movie belongs to Terrence Malick and Terrence Malick alone. <laughs> but I do believe it is one of her best performances. And I do think to a certain extent, Jolene helped her slip into the motherhood role slightly more comfortably 
it is the tree of life. Yeah. Obviously, um, I adore the tree of life. I like sobbed for minutes upon minutes upon minutes straight in the theater alone when I saw it. No, I left that movie theater a changed man when I saw that movie. I'm pretty sure we all did. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but no, I, I, I much prefer Chastain and Tree of Life than I did in Jolene. The thing is, like, Chastain and Tree of Life is, like, it's it's amazing. The it's, way of, it's really, really beautiful. The way of nature and the way of grace, man, that gets me every fucking time. I know. I wholeheartedly agree. So... So what's your movie for next week, Derek? What are you going to subject me to? I want to take another trip to Europe. We've been to Europe uh, a couple times before, but I want to go back. I want to go to France. Do you? And I also want to take a dip into the revered Criterion Collection, because not every movie in the Criterion Collection is an agreed-upon masterpiece. The movie is we're going it? to do... Yeah, it's true. Uh, how, yeah, who'd have fucking thought, right? Shocker. Um, <laughs> shocker, right? <laughs> the blob, motherfucker. Anyway. The I mean, Blob I like, is an artful film. I like I like The Blob. I really like that movie. Anyway, as uh, do I. But the movie we're going to do in two weeks is 1975's Black Moon, directed by Louis Mal. Which is kind of exciting. Yeah, um, apparently it's a, a surreal, avant-garde, 100-minute wild ride. And I'm going in completely blind. So if you want to read uh, my film criticism or Juan's film criticism, you can check out our work at dimthehouselights.com. That's where most of our long form goes. You can see some of my other stuff at Sound On Sight, and you can see some of Juan's stuff over at the Miami New Times. We are both on Twitter. I am at Derek underscore G. Where are you at, Juan? I am at Whoa, it's Juanito, W-O-A-H. It's Juanito. You can also find us on Letterboxd at those same exact usernames. How convenient, isn't it? We have brands that we, we, we like to have brand synergy. If you're so inclined, you can also check out our other very infrequently updated podcast, Eric and Juan Agree About Movies. We just put up an Oscar special in which we got the help of a fellow Dim the House Lights uh, alum, Michelle Arf. Who you can find at floodingwithloveforthekid.tumblr.com. That is correct. <laughs> you can find us on iTunes. And you should review us. And you can find links to everything we just said in case you can't write it down or anything at the show's Tumblr page. S-I-T-M-W-Y podcast altogether dot Tumblr dot com. You can also find our RSS feed there if you're not into the whole iTunes thing. I think that's everything, dude. Good night, everybody. See you in two weeks. Time soon. (laughs) You fucked up the outro, fucker. (laughs)